Quest of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. This episode was produced by Cappy Productions. Just going to take a moment to interrupt your regularly scheduled programming to introduce you a show called Translating Love. I played their uh, promo last week on the show, but in case you missed it, here it is again. Hey, everybody. This is Danny. And Boyfi. From the podcast Translating, Translating Love. Love. And yes, we know what you're thinking. Another relationship podcast. However, since I am from the U.S., And I'm from Austria. We think that there is a unique twist on the genre. With relatable topics and interesting guests, we're trying to provide some helpful insights, give helpful tips, and also make you laugh. Our topics for translating love include mental health, trauma, anxiety, long-distance relationships, being married, sex, and many other subjects concerning all types of relationships, not only romantic ones. And our goal is not to only strengthen our bond and spend more quality time together making translating love, but also to try to be more mindful, learn new things about these topics and ourselves, and become more well-rounded human beings. Therefore, we also talk about subjects that are important to talk about and relatable in this day and age. You can listen to Translating Love on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. I got to tell you, I love the concept of the show, and I think that they are just fantastic people. So check it out and back to the show. Hello and welcome back to the Conquest of Bliss. I am here with Miley Iski, the creator of a new program called Equip and Engage to try and teach people how to leadership. So first of all, how are you today, Miley? I'm good, thank you. So you have a lot of thoughts on leadership. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what led you to those thoughts and then maybe open up a little bit about, about what you're seeing that's, that's needing to be taught? Well, what I do is I actually usher newly appointed leaders and business owners through the rite of passage from expert into the genius role. And what that does is it challenges them to leave that comfort zone. And so many leaders, I've discovered this over the years, so many leaders never receive any training about the actual manager role. They're just supposed to know what to do. So they come through all of these interviews or maybe they own a business and they're supposed to just magically know what to let go of. And that's what my program does. It teaches them how to let go. Okay. So like, yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree that there isn't really a lot of guidance on what leadership is. So what would you, what would you say leadership is? Um, like, how do you distinguish a leader from someone who's say an influencer? So a leader gets the work done through other people. Okay. And the whole point of the leadership is to develop the skills for the other person's next step. So I don't delegate based on what I need. I delegate based on what they need. Oh, that's so interesting. Their careers through getting the job done. Sometimes it's stuff they've never done before. Sometimes it's no, really, you do have to do this because it's in your next role. Okay. So everything okay. you delegate as a leader is building your next set of leaders to replace yourself. And that makes sense. Um, that makes sense to me. And so like, um, just kind of what kind of, 
positions um, or industries uh, would this be applicable to or has it been applicable to so far? Well, my honest forte is customer support. So when you look at technical support, um, even e-commerce support, all of those kinds of things, it's a fine art to be on the front row, but -hmm. it's even more important to teach people to turn off the never-ending supply of requests and how do you do that? And it's a strategy. So when you go from being, whether it's on the phones or in email or whatever, to a leader, a lot of people just want to sit down with the team and help them do more of the same. Mm -hmm. And leadership is you have to turn off the faucet is what we used to say. Because if you don't bend the curve down, you can't hire to that. The customers will always outnumber you. So in business of any kind, if you're growing, you're getting more and more and more customers. And the leader has to figure out how to how to actually have the team meet the future so the future doesn't run over them. So if I have 100 customers today and 1,000 customers are projected at the end of the year, I can't hire to that because I'll never make any money. Mm-hmm. So the, so the leader is constantly looking down the track and saying, how can I help my team do more and be efficient and be extremely good at their jobs, but I can't sit down and do the same job they're doing or I'm not leading. Okay, so obviously you've been in a leadership role and, and maybe found it extra stressful and stuff like that. Because I mean, it's also fun because when you finally get them to where they're actually doing all the pieces then you don't have to put pressure on them. They're they're the momentum, and that's fun. Yeah, and that makes sense. Um, I was gonna say I was gonna say like uh, when you reached out to me, I mean, and 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 proposed this, I definitely see how leadership qualities and 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 leading effectively is really good for every individual involved, the people that are being led as well mm-hmm. as the leader. I mean, you were talking about delegation. I struggle with that <laughs> um, myself. And, and I really like the point of, you know, it can be not only more efficient, but it's also kinder to delegate with the skills that, that other people are trying to develop in mind. Right. So I really think that this kind of thinking applies to many industries. Exactly. exactly. Um, and especially if you look at a business owner. Mm -hmm. He's really, really good at something. He may have invented something. He may have designed something. And that's his core. And now he's got all this stuff on the outside because he started a business. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't start to decide which one he wants to do, during the day he's doing the core and all night long he's doing the back office. And pretty soon he's dead because he doesn't get any sleep. And he doesn't realize there's ways to let go. And that's the front end of Equip and Engage, in all honesty. It teaches them, I have to choose what I'm going to do. And then here's the ways that I automate. Here's the ways that I find people to delegate at the right time so they don't break the bank. So do you have any thoughts um, on when, uh, how do I, you know, we were talking a little bit about like, you know, it'll, it costs too much money and stuff. And so huh? when resources are finite when they're limited um do you have any thoughts on on how how to decide like because like someone like me so I'm a small business owner um as I'm sure you know um not just the podcast but I do art as well and 
it's a lot of work, <laughs> like an unbelievable amount of work. And the, the further you get into it, the more work it becomes. But the resources don't necessarily always match that workload, right? It's it's not always viable to hire out for all the things that you can't really handle. So do you have any kind of strategies that someone could use when when they are feeling overwhelmed? And even in personal life, you know, because that's a place where people lack resources a lot of that time too. Right. And I, I think one of the things that's really important is, are we using the systems that we're paying monthly fees on? Are we using the systems that there's equal products that are actually free? Mm-hmm. So we're automating and we're doing the things that absolutely has to be done because we all have regulations. We all have taxes. We all have to keep the accounting. But how much of that is stuff that even mom would do if we asked her to get me through this, you know, or you have a sister or you have a friend or somebody who can get you through the next three months so you can spend more time on sales, which is more revenue. Mm -hmm. And what we have a tendency to do is we start chasing that back office stuff and nobody's doing the sales. We're not growing. That totally makes sense. That Nobody's totally makes bringing sense. it in. So, you know, one of the things that I, especially with anybody in a traditional business, the tech scares them to death. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, if you've got somebody who's 10 to 12 to 14 years old, sit them down and say, show me how to do this or you do it and I'll pay you later. And they can take care of some of that stuff that scares us to death because they've been in it since they were three. They're not afraid of any of it. They'll grab mm-hmm. a, you know, an iPhone and do a video for you. And they're perfectly okay with that. So um, just, uh, just so that I, you know, um, fully understand do you feel that a lot of these skills are relevant to to like outside of business as well? I think it is, especially because one of the things that I try to put into a lot of my conversations is I don't really believe we communicate at the level we should be. And I kept hearing myself as I was doing various trainings and doing recordings, I kept hearing myself say, ask more questions, ask more questions, ask more questions. And people say, well, what kind of questions? Well, <laughs> how about just clarify what the other guy's thinking just long enough. Sometimes it's great to kind of give yourself a little bit more time to think if you just throw a question back because I have no idea what you're talking about. I can ask you a question. And then we, as you respond, I'm thinking, okay, now that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. And we think about, I mean, I think we all kind of think about the difference between England English, United States English, Canadian English, Australian English. And we all have these weird things that we say and we're speaking the same language, but we're not. Yeah. And then you add cultures and you add the different parts of your country's even bigger than my country. It sure is. Regionally, we are (laughs) very, very different. Well, we need to start asking more questions and listening to the answers so that not necessarily do we agree, but at least we understand. Mm -hmm. And we're not doing that. We're running over each other. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of um, assumptions around context that happen in Mm -hmm. in communication all over the place. I uh, am very passionate about, uh, about that specifically and word choice. Mm -hmm. And, and I also love to ask questions and I agree with you fully that that makes a an enormous difference, you know, when, when someone says something and I don't understand it, instead of going, oh yeah, okay. And then going and doing the opposite thing or whatever it is, you know, the ability. And I think, I think, and, and, you know, maybe you feel differently, but I think a lot of the times the, 
people are afraid to ask questions. They're afraid to look stupid. And and I think that that's probably a part of leadership too, is being unafraid to look dumb sometimes. <laughs> right. And I think the other thing too, is when you're in the, in the leadership position, everybody thinks you know, know everything, mm-hmm. which I don't know where that started. Cause I remember the first time I was promoted, I was like, okay, great. Now I know even less than I did yesterday. Mm-hmm. And if I can come to them and say, guys, show me what you do. They love that because you just elevated them. You just gave them value in mm-hmm. your eyes. You made them equal to you because you ask a question. Mm-hmm. And it's the same as true with a child. I have the most adorable great niece. Her name's Chloe and we do video calls. Oh. And if you ask Chloe a question, she just lights up because then she gets to talk. Sometimes I don't understand her and her mom has to translate, mm-hmm. but you convey value to the other person if you don't know and you don't make an assumption then Mm. everything changes it happens with my older parent my elderly parents it happens with people that i care about i want to know where you're coming from Mm -hmm. and then so if we if we talk about that in a professional realm and i want to know what your job is and you show me what your job is and i say now how can i help you're a lot more willing to tell me this doesn't work. Mm -hmm. This is broken. But if I didn't ask you a question, you're saying, why do you want to know? Yeah, exactly. You start to say, I'm okay, that's a wall. You're getting ready to fire me. I'm going to protect my ground. If I ask questions, you're okay with it. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. then it's, oh, I see where she's going with this. Well, and I think, I think something to keep in mind, and this is just my thoughts on it. Again, correct me if it's, different than your own. Um, but another thing to keep in mind when it comes to asking questions is there's there's two different, very different kinds of questions. There's an open-ended question that's really seeking an answer. And then there's a pointed question that's seeking a very specific answer. And I think that, you know, when people start putting those walls up and they're afraid, it's usually because it feels like a pointed question right. where you're saying like, how come that report isn't in? And like, you know, um, exactly. when you're leading someone to an answer. So when you are asking questions, you know, I think that it's valuable to truly want to know, like to not have decided what the answer should be ahead of time. Right. Exactly. So, you know, we were, we had, of course, back to the call center, we had this little light on our phones and I had the same phone that the team had. And if it, if it was green, it meant there were less than four calls. If it was amber, it was somewhere between four and seven calls. If it was red, we had more than eight calls in the queue. We never went to amber. And I looked down one day and the, call, and the light was amber. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on? Mm-hmm. So I went out and I stepped behind one of my team leaders. And I said, what's happening? She said, we can't pick up the calls. I said, wait, what? What do you mean you can't pick up the calls? And she said, they can't hear us. We can hear them, but they can't hear us. I was like, oh, crud. So all I did was I said, okay, I'll make a phone call. And I just called what's going on. He bounced the phone system and we were fine. But it's not what's wrong. It's what's happening. Mm -hmm. And she knew from, you know, just the interaction we've had over the last couple of years that she could tell me what was wrong and I'd help her fix it. Mm -hmm. But they were scrambling, trying to keep the team going. They didn't have time to come and ask you know, can you help us? And that's why I always kept an eye on it for their benefit, not mine. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And and something that you said a few minutes ago made me think of this thing that I've heard before, and I wonder what your thoughts are on it. 
And that is to lead or to teach. You don't need to have all of the answers. Mm-hmm. You just like, like to teach someone, you just need to be slightly ahead of where they're at in their journey. Right. Do you agree so with the that? Way that? I always put that is I want to lift their chin because they're looking like this. And where I am, I'm a, I may be ahead of them. I'm not above them. I'm ahead of them. And I want to lift their chin. And I want them to look down the road just a little bit further. Mm-hmm. And when they do that, they learn what the next steps are. They learn what their obstacles are. And they're not so stuck in this exact moment. So when someone is making that transition through to leadership, they're stuck. And they know, I have to take care of this. And if you can just get them to look just a little further down the track, then they can start to see where they need help and how to take those steps. So do you do you have any thoughts on... Um fear of leadership. I know that me personally, I have struggled with, you know, uh, like fought tooth and nail to not have to be in a leadership position mm-hmm. um, with the, you know, with some exceptions, but for the most part, like I, and I know a lot of people do, do you have any, any, uh, you know, words of wisdom around managing fears um, toward going into a leadership position? I think the biggest thing that I see is we want to find people that will do the stuff we don't know how to do. Mm-hmm. Where we really need to do what we need to do is find that one person that knows what we know, because when you delegate what you know, there's a confidence there. I can mm-hmm. help that other person. If you delegate what you don't know and they don't know, you're both stuck. Okay. Okay. So if you take something that you're really good at, you're really confident in, but you've got too much of it, sometimes that's the better way to duplicate yourself and lead from your strength. And I like the term duplication when it comes to leadership, because I think that that's ultimately the goal is, you know, a leader is put in the position because because they are seen as someone who is doing things the way that we want them to be done, whatever that happens right. to be. And that definition changes often from industry to industry, person to person. But I think that that's ultimately the goal is to duplicate the skills and and traits in in the people that you're leading, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But you also are going to see times where you've got this person wants to stay in the day to day. They don't want to take that step. Well, this mm-hmm. is the role you want to actually fill. So if you don't want this role, there's people that will take that leadership role mm-hmm. and they'll do all of the stuff that you don't want to do. So you can you can liken it to a dentist's office manager, okay, a doctor's office manager, because doctors, for the most part, just tell me which room to go into. That's honestly what they want to know. Yeah. Point and I'll go do what I love to do. You run the office. And sometimes that's really the best thing for your personality, for your strengths. You want to do the tech stuff, or maybe you don't want to do the tech stuff. You want to do the art stuff. You want to do the, the podcast portion of it that's not getting it ready for the mm-hmm. world. There's lots of people starting to do that stuff. And there's, there's reasons for that. Part of it's the equipment cost. Part of it is how to use the equipment that takes hours and hours and hours. And some of these guys are just junkies. They're so good at it and they're worth it. When you get to that step, they're worth it. Mm -hmm. But if you don't necessarily want to lead, you don't have to. You seriously don't have to. There's so many people in this world that love it. So, oh, sorry, go ahead. That you can actually either outsource it or bring that person in part time and, and multiply your own days. Yeah, so like that's it's interesting that you said that because I have a friend uh, who also is a small business owner, but he does brick and mortar and local stuff. Mm-hmm. 
and we've talked, and I swear so many conversations we've had have led to, hey, why don't you be my manager and I'll be your manager? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, because... But if you guys sat down and you really fleshed that out, like just for the next three months, if you fleshed it out, you might really be able to tear it up and get more done and have the bandwidth and then the money would be there. Yeah. I mean, it's because of, because of the nature of both of our works, it's highly unlikely that that's the route we'll go. But I just think that it's funny how much of an aversion there is to, it's not even necessarily the individual responsibilities, although I hear you because like, I am not tech savvy. Um, So like, there are definitely responsibilities that I don't love, but it's not even so much about the responsibilities. I think a lot of people struggle with understanding organization, strategy, motivation, you know, when and where to delegate, that kind of stuff. Exactly. And that's, and that's really an important point because if you give off the stuff that actually makes you revenue, you'll stop making revenue. You can't hand that stuff off. Mm -hmm. And once you get to a certain point and you can hire a salesperson that only makes commissions, then you can do those kinds of things. But there's steps in there that if you don't take them in the right order, the cash won't be there. And that's mm-hmm. when it gets scary, I think. Yeah, it definitely does get <laughs> it gets scary when there's uh, when there's limited resources or lack of resources. Yep. And I think the other thing that we have to be careful of is hiring full-time employees right off the bat because they're counting on that job. You've mm-hmm. got to have the revenue for that job. And you've got to be compliant on stuff that adds a whole bunch of expense, Mm -hmm. um, especially inside the States. So if we can go the contractor route, if we can go the remote route, if we can go the project route. Piecework. Yeah. So that you can say, okay, I know that I have this and I know that it happens once every three months. Okay. So I'm going to outsource it in three pieces and find the person that can handle it. Mm -hmm. Then you're starting to do the auditioning of it. And you don't have to pay for what doesn't get done. So it's sounding like a lot of what it is that you are explaining, um, at least from my point of view, is to basically relook at the idea of leadership in business or even in personal life instead of instead of just following the the formula that we were all kind of given, but never really directly given. So it kind of is like this nasty game of telephone tag yep. where, or not telephone tag, but telephone, you know, where you, things yeah. get convoluted over time and yeah. weird rules are made that aren't really, really serving anybody. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, like the biggest message I've taken so far is why don't we re-examine that? Why don't we get creative um, with how we're actually going to deal with this stuff? Exactly. So as you, and you keep coming back to the same thing and you're hearing it too, ask more questions. Why, mm-hmm. who, who wrote this book that said, I have to know everything? Who wrote it? I want to find this person because <laughs> he, tear that page out. You don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And so even the other big category where we need to ask more questions is in solving problems. Mm-hmm. We solve the wrong problem on a daily basis. Can you elaborate on that? So we, we were having this conversation and I said, okay, so let's just walk through this. And this friend of mine, his name is John. And I said, John, what's just an obvious problem? And he said, we need a new refrigerator. Okay. Yeah. That's I pretty said, obvious. Okay. Yeah. That was business related. He started laughing. And he said, I said, okay, why? 
And he said, because ours is full all the time. <laughs> and I said, why? And he said, because there's too many leftovers in it. And I said, why? And he said, because we cook way too much food every night. Yeah, there's the problem. And I said, so do you really need a new refrigerator? He said, no, we need to learn how to cook without the family here. And I said, there you go. <laughs> so as we were talking about it, you ask yourself why five times and you'll usually see the problem take a turn. Mm -hmm. And then you start to realize we weren't going to solve the right problem. Mm -hmm. See, that, why do you think our refrigerators are massively huge? <laughs> they are. <laughs> because we don't manage the contents. That's the problem. So learn to manage the contents of the refrigerator and don't buy another one. Well, and that's a really interesting point that you're talking about here. It's come up in a like, very different context, a bunch of different ways um, with me lately. And that is... You know, we as a society, and when I say we, I mean, you know, America, Britain, Canada, all of us, you know, people um, <laughs> uh, doing whatever, you know, us people, like our society, <laughs> I don't know why I'm stuttering. Our society is really, really into Band-Aids. You know, we see it in medical, ironically, I chose medical first, Band-Aid, honestly. Yeah. Um, but we see it in medical, we see it in a lot of stuff. And, and there's nothing wrong, I think, with using band-aid solutions when they're needed. There's stopgap measures that, you know, we got to stop the bleeding before we can address the problem, et cetera. But it's like we've forgotten to go back and address the problem. Right. So it's like, you know, like with the refrigerator problem, you know, I mean, my solution would probably be to, you know, get rid of the leftovers and not buy a new fridge. But, <laughs> you know, um, like it, as far as a band-aid goes. But yeah, is is once we've solved the immediate problem, is too when we have the energy you know obviously sometimes there's there's issues that that come there maybe it's an emotionally charged problem maybe it's not a refrigerator but something much deeper but right. is is to see the symptom address the symptom because it's usually urgent but then stop and back up a little bit and address the thing the the core issue that's causing the symptom exactly exactly so i, I was watching i think it was a drug commercial and it said something about you know we address the symptom i'm like that's the problem <laughs> you need to like go back and find out what the problem is and actually correct the problem and that's true in business and it's true in our personal lives and it's true with our vehicles and you know it's true with even road construction where are we really solving the problem or are we just creating a new one mm -hmm. so we don't back up until the money's been spent mm-hmm so, so one of the things that I, I, I did, and I, I don't know if it's up on YouTube yet or not, it's the costly, immediate solutions we put in. Mm -hmm. Instead of backing up and saying, no, now, wait a minute. What's the real problem I'm trying to solve here? Mm -hmm. And so we go headlong into this snap decision, almost always throw money at it. Mm -hmm. So the challenge that I issued was take the money out and see if you can solve the problem without money. Okay. And it okay. changes everything that you do because you can't grab the checkbook. And then you start looking for other solutions. Am I supposed to rearrange something? Am I supposed to sell something? Am I supposed to embrace a different expert? What am I supposed to do that I can't reach for the checkbook? That makes sense. And then sense. you're starting to look at better roots of problems because yeah, now you're not going to create a new one. 
Yeah, well, because interestingly enough, a lot of the times the um, the, the band-aids, you're right, the band-aids are a lot more expensive than addressing the issue. Yeah. I mean, I can think of a dozen examples in my head right now of that being true. Um, and, and I mean, I, I don't know if... I want to say unfortunately, but it's probably closer to fortunately, um, you know, having a disability and so therefore having a really tight budget have been forced to figure out how to solve many, many problems without the checkbook. Um, and, and I think that that's, oh, I think that that's so useful in, in every area is, you know, like, I mean, I was just, I was just dealing with my sister-in-law and helping her. Um, she's just going to be moving soon. And so we were addressing what things she can do because she's got all of these these issues that she's dealing with like getting laundry piling up this kind of stuff right Mm -hmm. and so i was like okay so let's forget for a second about what it's supposed to look like because she doesn't do business she doesn't do um like she doesn't have to look professional at all and so it's like the core of the problem is that the laundry is everywhere and it stresses you out and it never gets done i said so what if you did bins you know to hold your laundry instead of folding it perfectly and putting it in drawers what if you used bins? Because that's that's what you're doing anyways, but at least a bin instead of a pile on the floor right. is going to, you know, is going to help that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Because then you're, you're actually addressing one of her symptoms, really, but you're actually fixing it because now she doesn't see it. So she's okay. Well, and, and the problem, like, I mean, the, pro- like, the problem that existed there isn't really a problem that she needs to address. It's It's kind of a like for lack of a better word to put it, kind of a lie that's yeah. told to us is that, right. you know, the, the best, the only way to be an adult is if you fold your clothes or hang them up right. and it's like, okay, but why, why does that, right. why does that make you adulty? If, if you don't need your clothes to not be wrinkled, then, then is that actually a problem? Because mm-hmm. really the problem that she needs to address is her believing everything that we've been told mm-hmm. about adulthood, even though it's random, yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. It is. So it's it's just really interesting to me um, how things correlate uh, yeah. in the personal world and in the private world. Um, before we move on to the game, I want you to please let us know where people can find you. You mentioned you have YouTube and uh, you're writing a book or you've written a book. Actually, it's the course. The course is actually called Equip and Engage. And there's, oh, okay. a, there's a good, um, I think there's a, a video training out there on equipandengage.com. But okay. also there's a YouTube channel called Ask More Questions. Okay. And that's really kind of where I want people to connect because I keep adding things to it. Mm-hmm. Because it makes you back up. And, and you know, the, of course, the, la- the latest term is servant leadership. And <laughs> as I look back at that, I was like, oh, wow, we did that a long time ago. Because basically what it is, is, is it is putting your questions back to the team and letting the team know that, I'm here for your success. That's what servant leadership is. And, and, you know, it's not these big lists of characteristics or anything. Just ask questions. You'll be a servant leadership, a servant leader. So ask more questions on YouTube. On YouTube. And equipandengage.com. Yep. That's it. All right. Just double checking in my head that that's all normal spelled, like things that would be (laughs) spelt easily um, so that I... I was going to see if I had to ask you that. Okay. Anyways, uh, (laughs) do you have anything you want to add before we play the game? I don't think so. All right. You ready to guess some Aussie slang? There we go. Down under. 
Okay, sorry, any Australians, I know. <laughs> no, it was terrible. Um, so if anyone gets annoyed, you can blame mental floss because <laughs> they're the ones with the list. Um, <laughs> I've heard of that website. Yeah, actually, it's a really good website. I'm just trying to, you know, divert the responsibility of the fact that I'll doubt, undoubtedly pronounce things wrong. Uh, <laughs> but it's all jokes. Everybody knows that. I take responsibility. Um, what is Arvo? Afternoon. Oh, it is too. Yeah. It's afternoon. That's what it's for. Nice. Yeah. What does bottle mean? Ooh, well, I don't think I've ever heard that one. Bottle-o. I know that one. It's a liquor store. Oh, okay. Makes sense, right? Yes. Yeah, I love that. Um, What's an esky? Eskimo is the only thing I can come up with. I think it's rooted in that. It's a, okay. it's like an insulated food and drink cooler, like okay. for camping. Okay. It's like, we call it a cooler. Yeah. Yeah. We call it a cooler too. Yeah. Um, Pash. Ooh. Man. I have to ask Mark that one. I don't know. It's a long, passionate kiss, apparently. And okay. a pash rash is a red, irritated skin from a long, passionate kiss. <laughs> <laughs> um... What is fair dinkum? Ooh, that sounds like something like goodbye or something. Uh, it's It means true. Like, so like if you were like, leadership's really important. And I'd be like, fair dinkum. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't fit, but okay. <laughs> and cool. we're going to do two more. All right. What is a stubby holder? Oh... Probably something to do with a cigar, maybe? You would think, but it's actually a beer cozy. Okay, a beer cozy. And last but not least, and this one I know for sure also exists in England, whinge. Oh. I should know that one, or I don't know that one. It means to whine, like complain. Okay, okay. So she was whining and whinging. There you go. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. (laughs) And to my audience, I love you. Bye.